0: Listening to the Sports Daily, I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Friday show for you as we head into Super Bowl weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, of course. I'm going to talk to you about the squares pool that I'm in and the horseshit numbers that I got. (laughs) Great. Can't wait. Uh, We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. The 2024 Hall of Fame class for the NFL was announced yesterday. One major snub also, the NFL awards were given out yesterday. We'll go over those. And in Lakerland, they revealed the first of three Kobe statues. I got a thought on that. We'll get to all that momentarily. But don't forget, the big game is finally here. BetOnline is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines, with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props, With dozens of odds, props, and info on hundreds of sports events, politics, and entertainment, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime from desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. BetOnline. The game starts here. So for two weeks, since we've known that the San Francisco 49ers are going to be playing the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I have said, I don't want to talk X's and O's of this game. There's just... Really no reason to. These are two good teams. It's a two-point spread. It's impossible to predict who's going to win. You may have a thought on who you think will win, and you got a 50-50 shot of being right, you know? Um, Because it's not like you'd be going out on a limb picking the Niners, who are a two-point favorite, or the Kansas City Chiefs who are the defending Super Bowl champions. So let's not pretend somebody actually knows something more than somebody else, which is why I don't like going over X's and O's, because you can make a case for anybody. If you like the Niners to win, you can absolutely line up a bunch of reasons why you think they can win. They've played well in the second half of both games, so it proves they can come back. Brock Purdy is 21-5 as a starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He rarely loses. This team was dominant when they beat teams this year, and they had a huge margin of victory, They're one of the best teams in the NFC over the last three or four years. They're due. That's all great arguments you can make for the San Francisco 49ers. For the Kansas City Chiefs, again, hitting their stride at the best time. Their defense hasn't given up 30 points in a game all year and hasn't given up 400 yards to any team this year. They've got Patrick Mahomes. They've been to three of the last four Super Bowls now. I mean, you can make a case for either one. At the end of the day, nobody knows what's going to happen once the ball is kicked off. What if the Chiefs fumble the opening kickoff and San Francisco runs it into the end zone? Or Patrick Mahomes throws a pick six. Or Brock Purdy throws a pick six. Brock Purdy has started off horrible in the first two games in the playoffs. He started off horrible in the first half against Green Bay. He was terrible. In the first half against Detroit, he was terrible. So what if he does that again? We don't know if he's going to. But let's just say he does that again. The first two times he started off terrible in the playoffs so far, they ended up winning. So what if he starts off great but then has a horrible second half? Like, there's so many things that were that are unknown in this game. And, you know, when you heard me talk to Bob Sturm, he's like, that's the beauty of sports, is that you truly don't know what the hell is going to happen. It's why betting on sports, especially NFL, is so difficult. Now, this is a one-game sample. There's going to be plenty of people – that bet this game and are going to be right, you know? And they can't sit there and pound their chest because I could probably find, I don't know, hundreds of games earlier this year where they were wrong. You know, someone can talk about how they won their Super Bowl bet, but your Super Bowl bet, unless it was your biggest bet of the season, which I don't think it would be, is no different than you losing a week five bet. You know, it's all determined by put your money where your mouth is. You know, I love the money morning quarterbacks to say, I told you this was gonna happen. I told really? Did you? And if you did and you didn't put your money behind it, what do I care? You know, like I'm not saying everybody has to turn into a gambler, but it's really hollow when you say things about a game and don't back it up with any sort of anything. Because if you're wrong, what happens to you? Nothing. You know, you take some of the best talking heads in all of sports right now on the morning shows, the guys that are getting paid millions of dollars, the blowhards like Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith and Colin Cowherd. I'm telling you, they're wrong 30, 70% of the time in terms of what they like, their predictions. There was a run this year in three weeks because Colin has his big five or power five every Friday. He gives out five picks in the NFL against the spread. Remember we went over this earlier in the season? There was a three-week run where he was one in fourteen. So it's like, great. And I guarantee when he gave out those picks, he was very confident, and he gave a great story about why he liked those picks to win that game or to cover that game. And he went 1-14 in over a three-week stretch. So it doesn't matter what anybody's story is. The bottom line is results. But Colin Coward has even said in numerous interviews, look, I know I'm going to be wrong on most things. All I'm trying to do is – basically give you a compelling argument about why I think the way I do. And it goes for anything. goes for TV shows and when it comes to ratings. TV shows don't care if you hate them. TV shows don't care if you love them. You just have to have one of those two feelings about it. Once you become indifferent to a TV show, that's when they're in trouble because you don't care. You need to care by absolutely loving something or by absolutely hating it because we know in today's day and age people hate watch. Hell, I know a lot of the fans of The Bachelor hate watch the show. It's not like they're giant fans and they're just clamoring for a love story. There are a select few that do, but for the most part, people just watch it to hate watch and make fun of it. But that's what The Bachelor needs. When people start saying, I'm indifferent about that show, I don't care whether I watch or not, that's when they're in trouble. And that's all talking heads are trying to get you to do. Stephen A. Smith just sits there on first take every morning and screams at the top of his lungs and has to take a stance one way or another. Everything is so black and white to him, but he probably infuriates half of his audience with the stuff that he says. But the thing is, you're still listening to him. I tune him out. I don't watch that show. I don't watch that garbage, but there's so many clips of it that get passed around. I'm very well aware of what a lot of his takes are, but I'm not going to sit down and watch a forced debate show in the morning because that's all it is. They're putting people on that show for one person to take one side and one person to take the other. And it's just like, really? Every single topic in sports just so happens that you guys are on the opposite ends? No. They're just creating debate TV, which is boring TV to me. It's not interesting. But you're watching because the numbers for first take are really, really good. I don't get it. I never will. I'll never participate in it. But I understand that's the role that those guys have to play. They're playing a character. And they're getting you to respond. They're getting you to go to the social media pages of ESPN and voicing your opinion, when all it does is feed them. Feed me more. Who said that? Ryback, WWE. That's all those morning shows are doing, and those afternoon shows are doing, and all the debate shows. Just feeding you stuff for you can so you can react. The way you, if you hate Colin Coward or you hate Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith. The way to get back at them is to never talk about them, never comment on any of ESPN's or Fox's socials, just never bring them up. Because honestly, I'm telling you, they don't know as much as sports as you think they do. In fact, they probably know less. You know, they have writers on their shows. They have producers that are giving them the info and statistics. I'm sure they watch games here and there. But they're not glued to their TV, maybe like some people are. They have people feeding them information. So their stances is hard to take as genuine because I don't think they really believe a lot of the stuff that they defend, but they want to take a side so they can get a reaction out of you. I hope you understand this. With that said, I haven't listened to any of them. I don't know what their pick is. I don't know if it's San Francisco or Kansas City. And, you know, like I said, I don't want to really go over X's and O's in any of this because we've been over it. We know the statistics for both teams. San Francisco, good offensive team. Kansas City, really good defensive team. Kansas City kind of struggled all year offensively. You can say they turned it around in the playoffs, but did they really? Kicked a bunch of field goals against Miami. Um, you know, went on the road to Buffalo, played probably their best game of the season, and then jumped out to a 17-7 lead at halftime against Baltimore and never scored the rest of the game and really didn't move the ball at all. But those first 30 minutes against Baltimore was really good football. Putting together seven eight-minute drives, two of them, that's exactly how you play winning football in the playoffs. So, again, this is just for me coming down to I just don't see Patrick Mahomes losing to Brock Purdy. I just really don't. I think it's going to be close. I think it'll be a good game. And Kansas City pulls it out in the end. I'm cheering for a good game. I think it will be. I don't think anyone's going to blow out the other. And we'll just have to see come Sunday. But I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I like to see dominance. And I like to see, you know, good people get rewarded for what they do. Patrick Mahomes, good guy. Andy Reid, good guy. Not saying that Kyle Shanahan's not a good guy or Brock Purdy isn't. Brock Purdy's a great story. Last pick in the draft is going to go to the Super Bowl in his second year and he made the NFC Championship in his first year, and who knows if he doesn't get hurt against Philly last year with his elbow injury, maybe they play better. Maybe they get to the Super Bowl two years in a row in his first two years as the last pick in the draft. That'd be crazy. But we can't go back to that that game because it's already happened. He got hurt. They didn't go. Philly killed them and went on to the Super Bowl to play Kansas City. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Should be a great game. I can't wait. Looking forward to it. Now, speaking of this big game, my brother-in-law throws a squares party or a squares game out every Super Bowl. Last year, it was $100 a square, so it was a big one. I think the winning, if you had the right final score, it was like five grand. This one, he only did, he did a $20 square and a $10 square, and the $20 square has already filled up. I filled out, uh, so I gave him 100 bucks. I said, give me three $20 squares, and I'll do four $10 squares. $20 square thing, already filled up. My numbers absolutely suck. I've got Chiefs 2, 49ers 6, Chiefs 8, 49ers 4, Chiefs 1, 49ers 9. I mean, come on. No zeros, threes or sevens for me. I swear, I'm you know, look, it's it's blind luck because all you do is fill in an empty square and then the numbers are drawn at random. And, you know, Down the side for Chiefs, across the top for 49ers. I just got stuck with bad numbers. But what I'm saying is this happens to me every year. I never get good numbers, ever. I can't remember the last time I had a 0-0 or a 3-0 or a 7-0 or a 7-3. You know, because those are the most common numbers at the end of quarters and halves and finals. And 2-6... Yeah, you could say like, hey, what if they win 22-16? I mean, yeah, they could. But is it likely? Probably not. 8-4 Chiefs? I mean, they're probably not landing on 18. I mean, that's the thing you got to look at. Are they going to land on 8? Probably not. Are they going to land on 18? Probably not. So now I'm looking at Chiefs got to go 28. So 28-24 Chiefs? I guess that's my best one out of all these six. But that's a pretty high-scoring game, and I don't think this is going over 47.5. And, and then 1-9. I mean, again, Chiefs aren't going to score one point. They're probably not going to score 11 points. So I got me looking at 21 or 31, realistically. So Chiefs got to land on 21 or 31. I mean, could we get a repeat of Chiefs losing to the Bucks 31-9, and we get to Chiefs thirty one nine or twenty-one nine over San Francisco? I don't know, maybe. But you know, just ugly, ugly numbers. Man. So hopefully when the ten dollar pool comes out, I'll be able to pull better numbers than this. I'll let you know how that goes because I don't think the f- there was like fifteen or sixteen boxes left as of this afternoon. So I'll look into it and then uh or I will let you know on Monday what my numbers were and if I came close at all, but it's just frustrating. I do these square pools every year, and I might as well just take a $100 bill and light it on fire because I'm, I'm never winning on any of these. So the Hall of Fame class for 20 of 24 was announced. It's a big class. Oh, no, sorry. Well, it is. I mean, it's got seven people. That's usually what it is. It's usually around six or seven. So your Pro Football Hall of Fame class for 2024 is Julius Peppers, Devin Hester, Dwight Freeney, Andre Johnson, Patrick Willis, Steve McMichael, Randy Gratishar. I don't know who Randy Gratishar is. I'm sorry. Steve McMichael um, was is the oldest in the group in terms of, uh, he's probably older. Than, actually, Randy Gratishar is probably the oldest, whatever he does. But McMichael, in terms of all the other names, all these other names played in the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, Steve McMichael played in the 80s, and then he went into wrestling. And he's suffering from ALS. Actually, I believe he passed away from ALS. Sorry about that. He did. And actually, he didn't. He's still alive, but he is not in a good place. He's very uh, much uh, laid up with ALS and has, you know, no physical movements for the most part. And um, to be interesting to see um, if uh, how they handle him at the um, ceremony. And whatnot, but yeah, sixty-six years old, and um, you know suffering severely from ALS. But you look at the other ones: Julius Peppers, no doubt, one of the best pass rushers in our generation. Devin Hester was the arguably the best punt returner in NFL history. Dwight Freeney, one of the best pass rushers as well. Andre Johnson, great receiver. Patrick Willis, great linebacker. So I can't sit here and say, oh no, they didn't deserve that or whatever. I don't know. Um, Antonio Gates did not make it. And ultimately, I think when this is all said and done, Travis Kelsey is going to be the best statistical tight end who's ever played the game. But Antonio Gates right now is up there. I think he's one of the leaders. And just surprised he didn't make it on his first try. I know Dallas Cowboy fans are very upset that Darren Woodson didn't make it. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about getting him in. But, you know, people get snubbed every year. I I definitely think that, look, Antonio Gates is getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He just didn't make it in on his first ballot, which uh, which is fine. NFL awards were given out last night. The comeback player of the year went to Joe Flacco. He beat out DeMar Hamlin by 11 points. I mean, I don't know. What does DeMar Hamlin have to do to win comeback player of the year? He literally came back from the dead. That's not being funny. Anybody that's read the story of what happened in that Monday night game, he flatlined. They had to revive him and bring him back to life. The fact that he ever even stepped on a football field again is miraculous. And they gave it to Joe Flacco because, you know, look, he was a good story. He was sitting on his couch in November, and all of a sudden he was quarterbacking a playoff game. So... I give him a lot of credit, but... Tamar Hamlin came back from the dead! What the hell? (laughs) Yikes. For the second year in a row, the Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year came from the same team. Offensive Rookie of the Year, not a surprise, Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Will Anderson. Linebacker. Texans. Last year, the Jets had Garrett Wilson... As the Offensive Player of the Year for rookies, and Sauce Gardner was the Defensive Player of the Year for rookies. So this year, Miles Garrett won Defensive Player of the Year. No surprise there. He was dominant. The Offensive Player of the Year was Christian McCaffrey. Again, no real surprise there. Lamar Jackson wins his second MVP, and he's only the 11th player in NFL history to win multiple MVP awards. Every other one of them, outside of one, was a quarterback. Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Johnny Unitas, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Kurt Warner. The only NFL player to win multiple MVP awards that wasn't a quarterback was Jim Brown. Now, next year, looking ahead to next year, they have first-time eligibles for the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2025. I'm going to read some of these names and I'll tell you right now who's not making it on the first ballot. Okay, so here's all the names. Eli Manning, Luke Keekley Adam Vinatieri, Terrell Suggs, Marshall Yanda, Marsh, Marshawn Lynch, Earl Thomas, Joe Staley, Demarius Thomas, Agib Talib, Vernon Davis, Darren Sproles, Cameron Wake. I'll tell you right now, we've talked about this. We talked about it with Bob, about Eli Manning just having one of the more bizarre careers ever. If he doesn't go... Eight and zero in his two playoff runs, he's not even close to being considered for being a Pro Football Hall of Famer. But he's going to get in because of his name and because of those two Super Bowl wins. Like, look, I don't want to take those two Super Bowl wins away from him. I get it, but he was not a Pro Football Hall. He was not a Hall of Fame quarterback based on his every other statistic that he threw out there and every other game outside of the eight and zero he went the two times they won the Super Bowl. He was not a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he's absolutely going to get in. Maybe not first ballot, but probably, just because he's a Manning. He's all over ESPN. Like it, A lot has to do with your presence. If you stayed in the game, if people still see you and they visualize you, just trust me, that stuff helps. He's absolutely getting in. Luke keekley absolutely a Hall of Fame linebacker for the Panthers. Don't know if he's going to get in on first try, but he's definitely getting in at some point. Adam Vinatieri will definitely get in. Probably the greatest field goal kicker of our time. Not necessarily statistics-wise because he tailed off at the end of his career, but I believe he had three game-winning field goals in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yeah. Terrell Suggs, definitely. Marshall Yanda, he doesn't jump out to me as a Hall of Famer. Marshawn Lynch does not jump out to me as a Hall of Fame running back. Joe Staley, offensive lineman. I think he'll get in eventually. He'll be one of those guys that gets in on like year five or six. Earl Thomas one of the best safeties, he'll get in at some point. Demarius Thomas unfortunately has passed away. I think he'll get in at some point. Akib Talib, I don't think is getting in. Vernon Davis doesn't strike me as someone is getting in. Darren Sproles. He was kind of a hybrid player. I do you look at him and been like definite Hall of Famer. I and mean, he's Hall of Famer for guys that were 5-6, I guess. And Cameron Wake doesn't strike me as a Hall of Famer, but next year first-time eligibles, and then you got everybody who didn't get in this year that obviously gonna be on the ballot for next year so it'll be interesting i think uh i think eli's probably gonna end up being a first ballot and it's just we're not gonna sit here and debate it but you just look at that career and you're like wow what a bizarre career he had because he was a very very average if not below average quarterback Finally, want to end with this. The Lakers unveiled a statue in front of Staples Center, or excuse me, crypto.com last night before their loss to the Nuggets of Kobe. And it looked really cool. A lot of people spoke. It's going to be the first of three statues. There's going to be another statue of him wearing, because the one they re- uh, unveiled last night was him wearing number eight. We also know he wore number twenty-four, so they're going to have a statue of him in that, and then they're also going to have a statue at some point of him and his daughter that died in the plane crash. Here's the thing: I was not doing the sports daily, obviously, back in um, when Kobe died in 2020. But you know, having grown up in Southern California, having worked at a radio station where we covered a lot of Laker games, used to give out. You know, we used to have radio shows before the Laker games uh, across the street from Staples Center and, um, you know, it mingled with fans back then. And, you know, Co- it, this was a, it was a Kobe town. I mean, Kobe ran that town. Uh, people loved Kobe. Whether you liked him or hate him, being a fan from another team, uh, you had to respect him. And one of the best players of all time, probably top seven player of all time, if you ask me. And... It's just, the craziest thing to me about it, and still just eerie to this day, is that we've never had a player in any sport who was as good as Kobe who died at the age that they did. Can you think of any player in the history of all four major sports that was as popular or as good as they were in their sport that died at the age that they did. I don't even think anything's close. I, you know, it's just... When you look at it, you're like, that is... It was just so weird. I remember, I was at the gym. I looked on my phone and TMZ reported he had died. I was at the gym that day. Kobe was 41 years old when he died. So, I... so I'm saying find anybody who died in any other sport and tell me if they were better at their sport if they were younger than 41 if they were better than Kobe when they died at their sport than Kobe was at his sport and you can't it's like he has you know let's say he has set the standard or whatever I'm just trying to find the phrase where it's just like you just you can't there's nobody there uh, I mean I'm trying to think you know Dale Earnhardt uh the race car driver he died. He was forty nine when he died. You could probably say he was the, you know, in terms of the age, or in terms of when he died at forty nine years old. Probably one of the best drivers of all time for his sport. So yeah, he would have been there. But he's forty nine. That's that's eight years older than Kobe. I'm just trying to think. Was there anybody? You know, I I know Roberto Clemente died at a at a young at a young age, right? Let me see. I, I definitely. I think he was younger than Kobe. He was 38. So Roberto Clemente died when he was 38 years old. Was he as good at baseball than Kobe was at basketball? I'd say probably not because I don't think Roberto Clemente is one of the seven best baseball players in the history of, the, of Major League Baseball. He was really good, but I don't think he was top seven. So he'd probably be the closest because you just don't have star athletes dying that young, you know? you just don't, it just doesn't happen. So it's still crazy to me to this day. You know, my formative years in sports talk radio and growing up in Los Angeles centered around Kobe Bryant. You know, I, it just, it just did. I was 1997. You know, when I graduated college, you can, you know, you can even take in my college years, you know, Kobe, when you look at his career, his basketball career he got drafted in the 96 NBA draft and started playing for the Lakers basically my senior year of college so these are just my formative year i mean 22 to 38 he was the guy you know and i moved away from california when i was 31 but from 22 to 31 kobe bryant was a los angeles laker winning nba championships and i was in southern california at the time and from 1999 Until 2006, I was in Sports Talk Radio in Los Angeles. So I was talking about him a lot. It just, and even though I was out here in Texas the day he died, it was just surreal. It's still surreal to me to this day that he's gone. It's mind-boggling. But I'm glad the Lakers are definitely honoring him. I give him 10 statues. I don't care. Like The fact that they're giving him a statue with both of his numbers and with his daughter, I'm all for it. So rest in power, Kobe. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review. Also please hit play. It's not good enough to just download it into your feed every morning. Doesn't record the downloads that way anymore. You got to hit play. So please do that. Enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. Let everybody know I'm on the Chiefs in the end. So there you go. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it and I will talk to you on Monday. See you.